0: don't push me because i'm close to the edge i'm trying not to lose my head it's like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder how i keep from going under that's a song called the message by grandmaster flash and the furious five from their 1982 album the message uh, and the song is also called the message joe how you doing today you chose this song so talk about it
1: i'm doing well shawnee it's friday um it's a little nippy out but you know what the hell it's february um it's about time we got a little winter weather around here uh i picked this song because i noticed that like i I say this all the time and i mean it that uh um music wise movie wise arts wise culture wise it's good to be diverse right and i hit just about every genre that i could think of even like the the uh uh, the Irish folklore and so forth. And then I hit rock. I told you I live in rock and roll and rhythm and blues and country music and so forth. Uh, one of my passions from way back has been hip hop or to back that up a little bit, rap, honest to God, rap. And to me, I lived it. I mean, this was back in, this was the song. The message one, because they did another one a couple years later, and it was, it was pretty good as well. But this song, The Message One by Grandmaster Flash, was the unofficial, uh, opening, um, the beginning to what people call today hip-hop, rap, whatever you want to call it, that genre. Now, a couple years before that, in 1979, a group called Sugar Hill, they did a song called Rapper's Delight. And everyone, some of the people, rookies and people that aren't really familiar think that's where it started. It really didn't because Rapper's Delight, it was a cute little song. But what Sugar Hill did, Sugar Hill was a good group now, but one of the things they did is they sampled a song uh, by a group called Chic. Okay, C-H-I-C. They sampled a song they did called Good Times. These are the good times. And they just took that beat. They took that beat, Sugar Hill did, and they inserted, superimposed their own words into that beat. So if you're sampling a song, which is cool, but if you're sampling a song, it can't be the unofficial beginning to anything, okay? It was cute. It was fun. But hip-hop didn't start till three years later, as far as I'm concerned. Rap didn't start till th- you know, three years later, as far as I'm concerned. Grandmaster Flash, The Message One. And I'm going to tell you, it was theirs and it was six and a half minutes long. And they, it was not only hip, the beat and the rhythm and the pace, the words were really, really important. So, you know, socioeconomic, you know, differences and the the way of the world and real problems and real life. And they just spit this thing beautifully and, uh, nine people out of ten that know what the hell they're talking about will tell you that this song really started off what we know today. Now, hip-hop has made a lot of turns along the way, okay? But this is what started it all off. And like I said, I've been, uh, it's the first time I went to hip-hop because I've been all over the place with, you know, with the rock and with, with country and with hit and everything. I wanted to make sure I come back home to hip-hop um, and what better way to do it than, you know, the anthem itself, the beginning.
0: Yeah, so that, you that's did you know that, uh, did you know that Grandmaster Flash's real name is Joseph?
1: I did not know that, but thank you.
0: And he was born on January 1st, 1958. So one, one, fifty-eight. 58, I say one, one, because he was number one in hip hop in, in really the really genesis of hip hop. He was the very beginning of hip hop. So we you know the first day of the year he was born on it was just kind of poetic uh when when life imitates art type of thing yes if you you, know, if you look at that you know first of the, you know one one that's when he was born um and he was you know like you said he was the genesis of hip-hop really that song and that you know he really got it going.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's that part of it. And then the lyrics, sometimes you and I both do this. We'll do the lyrics in context, uh, context of the whole song. And then we'll, we'll, we'll zoom in and we'll, we'll do the lyrics in isolation because this thing, you know, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> I, I, I really, really like that as far as um from a mental health standpoint, you know, Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. I think it's important right there from a mental health standpoint is we all feel, we all feel sometimes like we're in a tank and the water's rising and it's rising and we just can't take anymore. And we all do. I mean, if you're living and breathing today, we all do. We don't necessarily have the problems to the magnitude that this gentleman did in the song, but we all have, you know, uh, the rent's due or this is happening and you got a bill here that you didn't expect or, or whatever the case may be a sick relative and life is just starting to add up what we have to do is find a way in moments like that to use some coping mechanisms and you know feel feel your stress coming on and say okay you know what i gotta do i just gotta grab the sneakers and go out for a jog or i gotta i gotta what calms me down and takes me out of this if i could just get out of here right now and go for a walk or this counting to 10 thing it's not a joke if you take time and just sit sit by yourself or just get away and talk a little bit to yourself take a couple moments a coping mechanism to give yourself a little bit of a break it's important too so con the, the lyrics in context um of the song and the lyrics in context, you know in isolation so I, that, that's why i did it as well
0: uh and did you know that uh grandmasters furious five grandmaster flash and the furious five was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2007 they're the first hip-hop group ever to be inducted
1: that i was aware of that that one i was aware of and i was pleased to hear that too because really what constitutes rock and roll anymore? we're not sure it all blurs together so
0: yeah uh just some fun things that i'm reading um the message was one of 50 recordings chosen by the library of congress to be added to the national recording registry and Rolling Stone ranked the message number fifty-one on a list of five hundred greatest songs. Um, so that's you know, good song, good choice, man.
1: Thank you. And one more thing, I want to add to it. I just listened to it again recently because I chose this, and at the very end of it, and it's just pertinent because of some of the headlines today. At the very end of that song, uh, if if it's the uncut version. It's not profanity, but you're going to hear is a bunch of guys getting together on a street corner. And this is at the very end of the song. Hey, what's going on? Where are you headed tonight? Are we going over here? We're we going over there. And all of a sudden, a police car rolls up. And, you know, you hear these kids talking. They say kids, you know, 19, to the early 20s or whatever. And, it's like, you know, the, the cop rolls up and says, so what are you doing over here? What are you doing? He says, wait a minute, officer. What's going on? What's the problem? And the officer's like, you're the problem. Get in the car. Get in the goddamn car. Get in the car. And it was like, whoa. And it was the, the implication was these these cats are just kind of hanging out and doing nothing and all of a sudden. And I thought to myself, this was in 1982 and how, you know, how pertinent those lyrics of that sentiment is even as we the you know some of the headlines we just saw now again most cops like most priests are in this kind of don't don't let's not wreck 98 percent of them for the the you know the misdoings of two percent but it's again it's the implication that the cops were a little too uh strong with these guys a little unnecessarily um violent and so forth and so on but at the very end of the message it's there and I just thought to myself, it's been over 40 years and not much has changed. So we got to work on that too. It's just something that it's it, like, I, w- I forgot all about that ending. So if you listen closely to the ending, you're going to hear that dialogue. So that's yeah. all.
0: Good choice. And uh, I guess we'll talk about uh, Black History Month because, you know, just to, it's a good uh, segue because obviously Grandmaster Flash is a African-American. It's Black History Month, which is February every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the annual observance. It originated in the United States. Um, first received its official recognition from governments in the United States and Canada, and it's been recently observed in even in Ireland and the UK. Um, but actually, you know, just reading a little bit about it, um, it was create black. The precursor was it was created in 1926 in the U.S. Uh, when a historian named Carter Woodson he said then the second week of February would be ne- Negro History Week. He chose that second week of February because it coincided with the birthday of Abraham Lincoln. He was born on February 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fe- and Frederick Douglass, who we'll talk about, was born on February 14th. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the black community had been celebrating both their birthdays since the late 19th century. So, it's, you know, it's... A lot of people do not take it seriously. Oh, it's Black History Month. You know, I want to be extra nice. No, it's not about this being extra nice to black people and giving them their muff because you feel bad. That's not what it's about. Right. It's about celebrating people who had dealt with tons of adversity. They weren't even considered citizens. At one point there were two thirds of a person. They were considered yeah. two thirds of a person or something like that. Yeah. Um, they couldn't even vote to the sixties. They were literally proper property of uh, slave owners. And um, Joe, if you have anything to say before, you know, we're going to talk about Frederick Douglass for a second here. But yeah, if you have any comments about Black History Month, you're welcome. The floor is yours.
1: I just think I think it's it's more than appropriate that we take time out to to acknowledge that, and history being a big part of it, you know, uh, the history of their struggle throughout, and it's 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 sometimes it's it 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 just it escapes you sometimes just how arduous a road these folks have had throughout our history and um if you stop every once in a while you watch a movie like twelve years a slave or watch another movie here or there or really look into it you can you really get a glimpse as to and, and, and it makes you think like my god what were what what were we doing as a country? What 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 in the world? How could we even you know how could we even imagine treating people this way? And it really does it makes you feel bad and it makes you feel good that we're we're finally getting it together. But uh um the least we could do is 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 acknowledge uh, their history for a month. I think it's very important so I
0: Absolutely. like it yeah. so uh, one of the main men and one of the uh, key abolitionists, an abolitionist was a a person fighting against slavery, and one of the main ones ever uh Frederick Douglas oh, great uh, one he's kind, of, he's kind of a legend. He's kind of a legend um to put it mildly yeah uh, he was born as a slave. Know he he was the minute he was born in this world, he was born into slavery uh, in Maryland around 1818. Um, you know, he taught himself to read as a kid, he used scraps of reading material he found with the help of some of the white children he came into contact with in his neighborhood. Um, he's a very, you know, he's a very self motivated, self sufficient person, a little bit different from because back in those days, um. I'm I'm you know, a lot of black people probably didn't think they had much freedom or choices to do anything, let alone like read. And he was already, you know, he's like, I'm gonna teach myself how to read. I'm sure a lot, you know, you hear tons of stories about that. A lot of black people wanted to read. They're like, i want to understand, you know, what they're talking about and what they're reading. Why can't I read too? So um, even while slavery was going on, they they were focused on reading, which is definitely a good thing.
1: Oh, Sean, um, there were uh, not to interrupt you, but to talk about oppression, if if slave masters even thought they were the, the slaves were were trying to learn how to read, they'd whip them, and I mean whip them, because it wasn't like they tried to discourage them; they forbade them to. Yeah, that's, to, that's, to that's read. what I'm saying. I've I mean, heard stories like that. It was like nasty. That yeah
0: it was almost like a form of it was almost like a form of rebelling just to just to like you know want to read which is Mm -hmm. kind of crazy to think about it yeah so i mean douglas is pretty important in the black history movement um you know he uh he escaped from slavery basically He, he wasn't a slave at the end of his life um and uh you know he lived a long a long life um, and it was very and just to this day is viewed as a hero um but uh yeah he's uh he's pretty important um, he was
1: yeah he, and he was uh, acknowledged uh by Abraham Lincoln he was welcomed in the where- in the warehouse uh, he was welcomed in the White House quite often, and he would go in there and speak with Abraham Lincoln quite often, so um he was highly regarded and highly acknowledged you know at the time, so that's something else that a lot of people yeah. don't know
0: about. <laughs> He thought about joining a white Methodist church, but uh, he found out that it, it was segregated, so um, he didn't join that church. But uh, yeah, he wrote three uh, autobiographies, um, all about abolition, all about you know getting rid of slavery, pretty much. He was always preaching getting rid of slavery. He was, you know, he was kind of like the Martin Luther King of his day, when I think about it. Um, he was very influential. Um, oh, he was yeah. Always, Um, And it's interesting. He actually spent two years traveling uh, Great Britain uh, speaking about the abolitionist cause. And some people told him to settle in England because they said his fame made it risky for him to return to the United States Um, because apparently federal law in the U.S. gave the slave master the right to seize him. But two of his English friends raised about $700 and they bought his freedom. And at the age of 28, he became a free man. So... Yeah. Um, you know yeah. the first 28 years of his life he was he was uh, pretty much a slave you know yeah and, uh, but even when he was a slave I th- i'm pretty sure he wrote a couple of his books while he was a slave um he was also very one cool thing about him he was active in the women's suffrage mo- movement the woman because women didn't have right to vote um so in 1848 he was the only african american to attend the first women's rights convention um in seneca falls uh, he was also nominated um, for vice president of the United States in 1872, I think he was the first African American to be nominated to run for vice president. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, he's a he's a pretty important guy. I mean, I I you know I wish I'd well, say more. I wish I was an expert in Frederick Douglass. I learned all about him in school. Um no, I think uh,
1: we 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 said. I mean, we could go on for days about him, but I mean, um, I can't think of a better, more appropriate way to start out, um, you know, uh, Black History Month than to talk about, you know. Because it, it pretty much, you know, uh, he was, you know, very instrumental um, with Emancipation and all that kind of stuff. I can't think of a better place to start or a better person to start with than him. So it's an excellent yeah. choice, Sean. Excellent.
0: Cool. So, yeah. Black History Month, Frederick Douglass. Uh, good guy to, to know about. At least to know a little a little bit about him. All, it can't be a bad thing, you know? Yes, sir. Uh, so... You know, we started off the show a little bit serious, but we're gonna be a little bit lighthearted now. <laughs> um Joe, do you ever shop wholesale? Do you ever go to like Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's?
1: No, no. I have family members that do. I just don't. It's not my thing.
0: Okay, because uh I went to BJ's I went to BJ's yesterday and uh, it's tough to go in those places and like not want to buy everything cuz you're like oh man <laughs> this is a great deal this is a great deal but the problem is everything's in bulk
1: <laughs> that's the whole thing yeah
0: it's like everything's in bulk and you're like i got you know let's give you an example i saved a lot of money on on Kraft american cheese um i usually buy 32 slices at a time from walmart and it costs <laughs> like 8 bucks i got 96 slices of american cheese um <laughs> for like 10 bucks <laughs>
1: yeah it just reminds me of that seinfeld that where kramer went and he bought like 22 cans of this beef arena and all kinds of stuff yeah. It's just funny <laughs> it's just yeah. it reminds. And me. I,
0: I thought of you I, I got a i got some i got a good deal on hard-boiled eggs i got well not i mean eggs are expensive now because there's a <laughs> there's like an egg shortage but i got uh Eggland's best hard boiled eggs they're already they're already cooked and peeled you get 12 of them for five bucks so it's I think I was paying at the supermarket. I think I've been paying for like six eggs. I think a little over three bucks. So I didn't save that much on those. But they, these are excellent Eggland, Eggland's Best. So apparently, you know, the fact that you hyped them up, I was all excited. I'm, oh my god, they have Eggland's Best like, hard boiled, you know. So
1: well, Eggland's Best is that's that's what I like. I, it's a good brand. It's an excellent brand. Oh come on, stop it. I'm just. saying, It's a good. You know, that's that's one of the that's that's what I buy. That's what I buy. I love yeah. them. Jumbo yeah. size.
0: That- I went a little bit crazy buying like huge <laughs> bags of like munchies and chips. Mm. Um, I got, I, you know, those Snyder's pretzel, the pretzel pieces, the honey, mustard, and onion ones. Yes, sir. Those are addicting, but those have a ton of calories. Like you could have like a, like a couple handfuls of those and you could already be over 200 calories. Like you got to be careful with those.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But then I got like, um, you know, every P- pirate's booty, pirate's booty is pretty good. I got that, I got a big bag I have of that.
1: No idea what you're talking
0: about. Then there. I got this. Indiana popcorn company, kettle corn, you know, I like sweet that. yeah. popcorn. Yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, it's, I walked out of there. I walked in like thinking I was going to like, spend. I had a little list and I clipped some coupons and next thing you know, I walk out I spent about 200 bucks. Um, it's like, you know, as long as stuff doesn't and go it, to waste, dude. that's all, but, you know, but I, I also bought like shampoo. Like I, I buy like, you know, a certain type of shampoo. They had it on sale. So I'm I'm pretty set on shampoo and conditioner for at least a year, so I'm good on that. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um. And as far as recent movies that I saw since last show, I saw a movie called Alice Darling. Uh, Anna Kendrick's in it. Um. Oh. Honestly, I didn't Love really. Her. think. Yeah, but I, I don't know. A lot of people like her. Like, do you want to hear a funny story? When I went to the, the Final Four in 2018 to see Villanova in San Antonio, um, we went to the finals versus Michigan. And one of my friends I was with had a sign that said something about Anna Kendrick. And I'm thinking to myself, why did you choose Anna Kendrick? But you just said you loved her too. There seems to be a lot of guys who really like Anna Kendrick. I don't I don't get it. And I'm not really like, I don't find her like, to me, she's not my type. I have, I have certain types with females, but she's like not my type at all. But a lot of guys dig her.
1: She's it's she's one of those funny girls that at certain times you look, and it's like, eh. And then other times it's like, oh my God goodness i mean she's just really um she's just really different um and i i i just uh, you know i i'd like her <laughs> I, it's a, I but mean, she is it's i agree with you she is she it's it's a weird thing sometimes she looks you know a lot better than than other times but i guess the same could be said for a lot of you know, but uh but she's, she's neat
0: I'm just speaking speaking of her about an actress she's she's a good actress and i'm i'm sure we're going to do her one episode right but this particular movie just didn't I didn't like it. It was just boring. It was slow. i give it about a 5.2 out of 10 cuz I like thrillers. The whole thing was she had an abusive boyfriend. Oh, I she saw, was like, yeah,
1: I saw clips for this. Go ahead.
0: She's going on a trip with her friends um and like her boyfriend kept texting her and stuff and she was trying to say she, I don't want to give away the whole movie but it's I love thrillers where there's like a crazy stalker or a boyfriend and like crazy stuff happens, right? They're like doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But this yeah. this movie had like nothing crazy that happened. It was just like What's going to happen here? what's going it was, on? I know it this, was guys, I this guy's psychological abuse right? It's, this one was all about psychological abuse, and yeah. I, can, I know a ton of g- girls and even guys go through this. Uh, I know it exists. However, yeah. when you're writing a movie, you want it to be exciting We you're calling it a thriller. you want there to be more of a buildup and more of a climax. This really didn't have it. you know the, you understood the vibe, the vibe was that the guy's a psychological abuser, but mm. they never like showed exactly like how far he took his psychological abuse um she they just showed her ripping out her hair a lot of times she was ripping out her hair she was like that was one of her coping mechanisms for dealing with this guy um but it just didn't you know it was very just an average movie that could have been a lot more it just could have been a lot i, I always think about that the movies they have such a good premise and it could be exciting there's a lot of potential it could have been a lot more that's all i'll say uh i didn't think anna kendrick did a bad job as far as her you know acting in the movie i thought she did an okay job and she Above average, but just the movie overall just wasn't that good to me. So that was what I saw recently, uh, Alice Darling. Um, but how about this weather, man? It's been particularly cold. Um, are you hoping for snow? Because I—I'll I, be honest with you, I'm—I'm I'm content with not having any snow the rest of the winter.
1: Uh, no, I'm—I'm I'm disappointed. Look, I—it I, th- is cold, but you know what, doggone it, it's—it's it's February and. There's, I told you this. I wouldn't want it all winter long, but I'd like at least some of the winter to be real, a good solid cold like this where you come in and you shake off the cold and you, you know, you sink into a warm chair. I like it this time of year. And I'm just disappointed with the last couple of winters that we, dude, we don't have snow anymore around here. We don't get it anymore. I mean, you could at least count on one, at least one, probably two good snowstorms every winter. And I mean, good snowstorms by about a foot, give or take. You don't get that anymore. It's ridiculous. I mean, they could almost advertise now for the Delaware Valley for people who are thinking of moving here. You know, we could almost put that in the chamber of commerce or something. It doesn't snow. I mean, because it really, really doesn't. It's ridiculous. And I don't think we're going to get any this year because it's already February. And the sun angle, the st- and everything else is like—I I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we get two feet next week, but um, I'm disappointed in that.
0: But here's the thing, though—I I really don't want the two feet of snow because you know driving around in the snow sucks. Because I want—I go to the gym every day. I want to still be able to go to the gym. I'm uh, not in school anymore. I don't, you know, snow days don't really matter to me because I I, my, I rely on going to work. I have to go to work uh, to get paid. So if there's snow days, they're not going to pay me, enough. if I can't get to work, so honestly, I just, I'm hoping from a financial standpoint that, you know, I can just get to work and get to the gym. And, uh, I mean, I think about like the kids and how they are able to have the snow days and, you know, build this, the, the, the igloos and the snowmen and stuff. And for them, it's cool. So if it does snow, I'm like, Oh, at least the kids get off from school and they're having all these childhood memories. But Mm -hmm. from a, from an adult standpoint, I'm like, please no snow, you know?
1: A lot of places will, will pay you for the day if they have to shut, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's,
0: I mean, not my place, my All place right, where well, I work. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever it, uh, well, you, you know, I don't want to see you lose any money, certainly, Sean, but I, I would like to see maybe on your day off, I'd like it to snow for about a foot and a half, foot and a half. How's that?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, as long as it's it, I can get there the next day, but um. I digress. I'm off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I want to talk a little bit about a new show I'm watching. It's called Shrinking. It's on Apple TV. I'm
1: gonna Jason I'm gonna watch that. Yeah.
0: I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Jason Siegel. Uh, yeah, he's a great actor. I i love him from like, you know, his rom coms like one of my funniest movies I've seen of all ever is called Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um but he's in it. Harrison Ford's in it, so it has the pedigree. I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh Apple TV is at a next level. Like they they're on HBO level with their shows. They're really good. They're putting out high quality content. Yeah, uh, they pay a lot they pay a premium to have these big name actors who are supposed to be like movie stars but they're <laughs> willing to do like these limited series so i don't even know if this i'm hoping this is more than a limited series you know i'm hoping it's more but i'm enjoying it so far uh i think there's been three episodes released so far i gotta catch up i gotta i gotta watch the next one i only watched the first two but it's basically about a shrink he's grieving because his wife died and uh he starts ignoring all his training that he learned when he you know he's a therapist and he starts telling them exactly what he wants those clients to do um, without really thinking about what the book would say, what the right. therapist's handbook would say. Right, right. And this, this guy's right. letting loose and is being very honest. It's, it's very entertaining.
1: Yeah. I, I saw the advertised before. And just with regard to Apple TV, I have it also I've had it for about three or four months now. And I'm tremendously pleased with it. And I do want to watch this one. I haven't had a chance to watch, but it's, I have it, you know, I have it, you know, in the memory here, like that's going to be next. I want to see that because it looks very interesting. And I think what he does is, is from what I can see from the clips that I've seen is that it's, you know, you know, therapists are people. They're people just like we are. And I told you this before, the therapists often once a month or whatever it is on a regular basis, they'll go to see another therapist, <laughs> another therapist for, um, for treatment. To get to keep their head straight because they're only human. And how can they help their clients until they get their own stuff straight? So, what this shows is the human side of it that that this cat is is human too. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep it all together.
0: Yeah. He's also grieving. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of reasons why he starts to you know, sure. change his behavior. Life. But, um, I read something disturbing in the New York Post. Um. Apparently, people who make their bed in the morning—the first thing they do when they wake up—is make their bed. They're doing the wrong thing, because apparently, making your bed right away traps all these like, uh traps all like because you sweat and you shed skin when you're sleeping. It traps all that stuff, and it, it's a breeding ground for like bed bugs. So anybody yes. who makes who makes their bed first thing in the morning, appara- according to this health expert, take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's just it's just one person who said this. I think but she probably there's probably other people out there, but she's the one who's claiming this. Don't make your bed right away. Let it air out. You know, let let it just be messy for a couple hours and maybe wait till you get home from work. You know, don't make your bed right away. I don't know what you do, John. I'll be honest. I never make my bed. My bed's always, I go to the bed the same way I woke up, you know?
1: What I do is, I mean, I have I have the uh, the fitted sheet that goes over the mattress and a pillowcase, and then I have this big old I big old, I used to call them a quilt, but people say they're called a comforter. This big old thick thing. So that's all I have. I don't have any sheet in between or any BS like that. And what I do is, when I get up, I'll get up, put my clothes on, I'll go walk over to the thing, and I'll fold the comforter over so it looks right and then make sure it's even and that's it i I don't make a bed i don't tuck anything in or put it in no i mean so if that's making a bed i don't know but it's just a matter of taking the comforter spreading it out and flapping it on and and making sure that it, it it looks halfway respectable but that's as far as quote unquote making a bed that i i do bro so I don't know. Yeah, I don't have any bed bugs. Let me knock on. You know, I'm <laughs> walking. I don't have any bed
0: bugs. Well, so. no, that's honestly, I feel bad for anybody with bed bugs. That's got to be a nightmare. It's like just just imagine knowing you're going to sleep and there's like little like weird bugs. <laughs> that's oh. creepy. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Creepy. Yep.
0: Um. Anyway, I digress. Let's move on to our actor. Unless you have anything more to say. Nah, no, I'm ready. So you pick. This is your. This is usually if, if the audience hasn't picked up on this. Usually Joe's Joe's show, where he picks the actor, he picks the lyrics, he picks the Snapple fact, he picks the Beyond the the Real segment, the the two fake stories and the one real one. We we alternate shows. So today, Joe usually does Friday or Saturday, and I usually do Monday or Tuesday. So today, Joe chose a man called Sam Rockwell. And I don't think I'm mispronouncing his name, because uh, (laughs) Sam is pretty easy to say, and Rockwell seems straightforward, but... You know, hopefully yeah. I'm not wrong. i um, no, not wrong. He's a, he's a good actor. He's been all over the place. You know, um, he was born on November 5th, 1968. So he's right around your time period, Joe. You're my born
1: brother's, my brother's birthday is November 5th, not 68. Oh, yeah. But yeah, awesome. that's weird. Go ahead. Um,
0: so yeah, he grew up in the Bronx in Manhattan. His parents are both pretty much actors. They're, you know, they were like in the entertainment business. And he was trained to be an actor, you know, from a young age. He made his acting debut at the age of 10. Um, and just so I learned because I like learning a little bit about these actors, you know, before the show. So I watched a little bit of uh, him interviewing on Jimmy Kimmel Live, which is like my favorite late night show.
1: I saw that um, too. Yeah.
0: He said little things like, you know, he said he's close with his dad, his dad's a big union guy. Um, uh, but then he's telling funny stories like he, he he went out dancing with John Hamm and Olivia Wilde one time and he injured his ankle dancing at a club. And He's talking about how to prepare to play a drunk in a movie, you go to a bar. And you drink coffee and just watch the drunks. You observe the drunk people. Um, and then he said one of the tricks you learn from Ray Liotta to act like you're drunk is this, to bend over for a couple of seconds and then stand up straight right as the take starts, right as the, starts rolling, the cameras start rolling. And, in, and you're really going to be dizzy. So you're going to appear drunk. So these little things, these little things. Yeah. He was also yeah. just in a Broadway play with Lawrence Fishburne, who we did a couple of shows ago, a couple of weeks I think a couple of yes. months ago. But, um and then when he was younger, you know, he learned a lot about hustling and would help to, would later help him out in auditioning. Uh, he went to a school for bad students. Apparently, it's called Urban Pioneers, um, and they had a thing where you couldn't ask your parents for money for a trip. So they're like, "How do we get money?" So they had to go around, like you know, soliciting money from people and figure out ways how to pay for their trip. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's just he's he's a, he's a great actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. There's something on YouTube called like "10 Minutes of Chaos" with Sam Rockwell. It's all like it's all clips of, from him from his real life from footage of him just doing like funny stuff um uh, so he seems like a real fun guy to be around a character like the story i told about him going out dancing with john hammond olivia wild where he like broke his ankle or hurt his ankle like he's always and even in his interviews i saw a little bit of an interview with him on seth myers too um he's just a very like charismatic type of guy and it carries over to his acting because he, he could play like really like different types of. he can play when joe you're going to talk about your top five but and I think I have a feeling what your your you know first or second one's going to be, but he can <laughs> play some monsters too. This guy can really he's got range. Yes. So uh, you know, talk a little bit about what what do you? Uh, I'll just say a little bit real quick what I've what I've what I've seen him in that I know of. Um, he was in Richard Jewell, the guy from the bombings, the Oklahoma bombings. Uh, he was in Vice. I think he played George Bush. The movie about is about Dick Cheney, but he would play George Bush um seven psychopaths i believe joe you watched that recently he'll talk about it iron man 2 the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy matchstick men charlie's angels galaxy quest the green mile uh wink wink we're going to talk about that box of moonlight which joe you told me i never knew that movie existed until you told me about it um he also i think his first like real movie roles in the teenage mutant ninja turtles um then he's in another movie called laggies with uh keira knightley um and I, my friend, told me to check that out. I started watching. It's on HBO. I started watching. It. It's pretty entertaining. It's a pretty good movie. I
1: just want to say something about um, Karen Knightley. It. That's a beautiful woman. It's well, just she's <laughs> just. A, I don't want. I don't she want to really, really to, is. I'm not going off on it. Of I'm just trying to tell you something. Just face. Her to, face is beautiful.
0: Well, she's beautiful. let's just say, let's just say this, Joe. I just I already started preparing episode twenty-seven, which will be Monday <laughs> or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just say she might be she might be our actress of the week. And this is one of the reasons why I started watching laggies is because. Kira Knightley and Sam Rockwell's in it and we're doing Sam Rockwell today and we're possibly doing Kira Knightley on Monday or Tuesday but it's funny how you said that she she really is an attractive woman I, I she's agree with just that.
1: one of those women like Alicia Keys where you just, it's hard to look away from her she's just so beautiful yeah. but anyway I digress uh, like, go ahead
0: she's, uh, she's skinny but she's not too we're gonna talk about her Monday or Tuesday but she's all <clears> you know she's, she's a great actress and uh, I digress but anyway Joe what's your top five what do you have to say about Rockwell
1: uh, i i noticed him just from this movie or that movie and I noticed, I thought to myself, this, this dude's pretty funny and he's, he's he's a pretty good actor here and I just never knew his name and then all of a sudden I, I tried to pay attention to who he was. I was Sam Rockwell, I gotta get this cat's name down and I remembered his name because Norman Rockwell, the artist, I said, okay, he's easy to remember and I just, since we're doing this thing here, I thought to myself, ah, he's one of these cats that fits this mold that if you walk up to someone on the street most people and say, do you like Sam Rockwell they say who's that and you show them a picture oh i know that. So it kind of fits our mold um here's my top five quickly um number five is is and this is going back like this i think it's 2001 so we're going back 20 years but it's it's a movie called snow angels he plays uh, a real it's a dark movie and it's been a while ago but he played he plays a real dark character but he, he, he you can you can feel you could feel the emotion. You could feel the sorrow and the ang- anguish coming through him. It's, it's a tough movie to watch. It's a dark movie, but Snow Angels from 2001. Number four, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri uh, plays that with um, some other, I think Woody Harrelson's in a movie, uh, the woman that's in the movie, um, what's her name, Mc- McFarland or something like Mc, um, I forget um, her name. Um, Mick. You're
0: talking, about, you're talking about three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri?
1: Yeah, three outside of Ebbing, uh, Missouri.
0: I think you're thinking of... Francis
1: McDormand, maybe, is her name. I don't Frances
0: know. Francis McDormand exactly. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. okay.
1: Well, he plays this real redneck, you know, this sort of redneck, uh, hard-ass cop, you know, small-town cop. He plays a, the role very well. And like I said, with this guy... He plays a lot of roles of, of characters that aren't really um, nice people, per se, but yeah. he plays them well. Yeah. He yeah. makes That's you...
0: What he's got I just want to interrupt real quick. He has the ability to make you not like him and make you really despise him. and Direct That's that what talent. a good actor will do. Movie, you're like, this guy's a scumbag. He's got that ability.
1: Right. That's what a good actor will do. Now, say the good the actor himself, obviously, he's a tremendous guy. He's a nice guy. But when you look at it and say, Oh, that son of a bitch I can't stand. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to make him so three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Then there's The next one on my list is a is a movie that I don't understand why it never became a cult favorite. It's a movie he did with John Turturro, and I love Turturro. But uh, he did a movie with John Turturro, and it's called A Box of Moonlight. Yeah, a box of Moonlight, and it's just, it's a, I, he plays this character, John Turturro, and I'll do this quickly, Turturro is a businessman, he's going on a business trip, and he's out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. He has car problems. He's going to need a part that's going to take the whole weekend to get the part and so forth and so on. And he's looking for shelter and he's just looking for a place to stay. And he runs into Sam Rockwell's character, who's a local and he's sort of a, he's a nice enough guy, but he's somewhat eccentric. And it was just like, you know, he's got the raccoon skin cap on and, and he's just, that's a lighter side of, of, of Rockwell, but he plays that well too. Um, he, he plays that well too.
0: You're talking Go about ahead. the Three Billboards movie, right?
1: No, I'm talking about Box of Moonlight.
0: Box of Mo- Moonlight. You know, I want to talk about Three Billboards real quick. I didn't say he, he won Best Supporting Actor for that movie. I didn't realize that. He won oh, Best God, Supporting yeah. Actor for Three Billboards. But I also want to correct myself really quick because I thought he just grew up in the Manhattan and Bronx because I looked at IMDb. That's what they said. I guess I read it too quickly because then I'm checking other sources here. Uh, his parents were divorced when he was like five and then he was raised in San Francisco, but he spent the summers with his mother in New York. Uh, but then he, you know he got his acting in New York in the East Village Improv. Just wanted to correct myself there, but oh, keep going. Okay. Box, of, box of moonlight. No, yeah, if you're I'm just a- box some. moonlight. He played yeah. a nice he played a nicer character than that. He didn't play a scumbag, right?
1: Right. He played like a local and he was pretty funny. Okay, so let me just re riff that again. Five was Snow Angels. Four was three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, three is a box of moonlight. Check it out, folks. Just give it a shot. It's it's just it's different, but it's decent. Now we get down to the nitty gritty. And these could have flip flopped. But number two was a movie with your boy Colin, whatever, um Carol? Yeah. He plays in this movie with him. It's called Seven Psychopaths, and it's really different. It's a different kind of movie. There are parts of it that you're going to look at and go, oh, my God, and other parts where you're going to laugh your ass off, and it's yeah, just yeah. very, very well done. His part is not easy to play, but, again, he teed it up, and he played it really well, Um, a good movie. And finally.
0: What do you think? Of, let me just ask you real quick, because we did Colin Farrell. What do you think about Farrell in it?
1: I thought Farrell played himself. That's the the, the 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 thing that I came away from when I thought Farrell, Farrell in this movie, Farrell just kind of played himself, didn't he? I mean, it was just a guy writing a movie, just he, <laughs> and drinking a lot. I mean, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I mean, is it? He didn't
0: have to. He didn't well, have that to. movie. That movie's got a hell of a cast, man. Because Woody Harrelson's also in it. So is Christopher Walken. Like that movie was full of uh,
1: Christopher Walken was in it too. Yeah, yeah. I like Christopher.
0: Walken. Right, so you got you got that. That's it. I'm surprised. So that made your that that made number uh, three or number two. That was two. That. that was two. number one. Let me just drum drum roll. Green something. Green the something. Is green that Green
1: Mile? Yes, sir. <laughs> green Mile, and he played. Um, wild bill something or i don't know what it was but he played an absolutely abhorrent character in that movie um one that you would like to strangle um and it was it really he really but but again he's an actor and he played the role but he played it really it was not an easy role to play you remember he scene really where,
0: really, uh, he's in a cell and he starts peeing through his through the cage or the the bars of the cell, yeah. um, on the warden, and then the warden's like, you know, what the hell's going on? And then he says, he's you know he's just, he's really like instigating with these guards. He says, uh, he's, he's like you just peed on me or whatever. And he's like, I'm currently cooking up some turds to go with it. You know, <laughs> yeah, something like yeah. That. and then like, and then he's dragged into uh, solitary, and then he's like, all I wanted was some cornbread. You know what I mean? So <laughs>
1: yeah. he was just he he was he it, it, that's something that that's 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 unforgettable really uh so yeah a good actor he is i mean i haven't seen just because i like an actor doesn't mean i've seen everything that he's done no, he's- i haven't i mean i'm i'm told that he did there's one that he did that i'm that he showed such range he was almost like two different people can't remember the name of the movie right now but he's he's regarded as having a lot of range he certainly has the longevity And there's something about him. Um, (laughs) There's something about him. Um, When I watched Seven Psychopaths, I remember when I watched that, when the opening scene, when he's coming to the door, and you can see his face, like, through a glass door, and as soon as I saw him, I just started laughing because he just, like, had that funny grin on his face. It's just one of those things that uh, uh, I I like Sam. I think he's a hell of an actor, and uh, he's also a dude I like to maybe go out and have a couple beers with, you know, so that's that.
0: You know? Well Sam Sam, if you're listening, uh Joe Thurman wants to have a beverage with you, sir.
1: Let's go ahead and get some Budweiser's, brother. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. So but yeah. Sam
0: Rockwell, uh good choice, Joe. I you know, he's a he's a let's just say he, I consider him an underrated actor. That's a good word for it, I
1: think. Well, and that's the whole thing. Thank you, because that's the whole thing that we're doing. And once yeah. in a while we we have to, you know, we have to do our Denzels and our Pacinos and this and that. But in between we'd like to do those unsung guys. So
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. And just for anybody out there, if just if you go on YouTube and just type in Sam Rockwell, like late night show or interview, watch this guy being interviewed on late night shows. He's he's very entertaining, and he's a lot more entertaining than a lot of guests. And the thing with him, I think a lot of these guests probably their agents and probably like people in Hollywood probably instruct them how to be more charismatic. Like, oh, you you want the audience to really like you, you know, off screen and you know get to know you. So they give them all this advice, and they have to be taught. And trained how to act on these late night shows, I don't think Sam Rockwell is being directed. I think he's just being himself. Just, I just believe throwing that. that
1: out there. No, I believe that. He seems he seems that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh I heard you uh you chose a snapple fact this week, Joe. What exactly is a snapple fact?
1: Snapple fact this week is okay. Octopuses think with their tentacles. And I say octopuses as plural as opposed to octopi because I looked it up. I thought, isn't that octopi supposed to be the plural? This is just for the, but it's octopuses because the word is of Greek origin and not Latin. If it's from Greek origin, the ES will suffice for the plural if it's of latin origin that's where you get into the I, as in like alumnus alumni that kind of a thing so but this wouldn't apply this is greek origin so the es is good for the plural octopus just for those who are thinking like what you know because there are folks that think octopuses think with their tentacles um i found that tremendously interesting because you would think the octopus you could see a head you could see you know eyes you could see where you would think the central processing unit would be up in the no it's it's in their tentacles and i thought that was interesting and it also uh it's 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 fact number 1519 1519 i also yeah. saw a show recently sean um and it's it, it's 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 a it's a like a funny show it's a serious slash funny show um and it was on and it was um I can't remember the name of the doggone show alien maybe or something something alien anyway
0: Ancient Aliens What is it? Ancient Aliens on History Channel? No,
1: this is a co- like a comedy show or something like that. Anyway, this guy was talking to with mental telepathy he's talking into a fish tank where there's an octopus and he's talking with him and and Oh, is
0: that, is that a I know what you're talking about. Is Help the me. Show on is that the show? On, is that it's like a real show on Amazon, but it's like a, it's like it's supposed to be. It's called The Boys, right? Is that the, you're talking about the, the Boys?
1: No. The Boys. There's a, show,
0: there's a character on the show called The Boys. It's a great show, and no. he has the ability to communicate with uh, with fish.
1: No, this is um, trying to think.
0: Anyway, let's let's yeah. talk a little bit quicker. Anyway. What you're thinking though? Mm. Um, so octopuses do think with their brains too, but uh, the majority of neurons. Um, are in like they, have, they are in the brain, but um, over two thirds of the neurons. Oh, so two thirds of neurons are located within the arms and the body. Mm-hmm. So they are such a complicated. Uh, they have eight. They have eight. They have eight arms. There's a lot. The brain with human beings and animals, the brain only has to control a couple limbs. Like we have, like you know, we got the two arms, we got the two legs, that type of thing. With octopuses, they have eight of them. And there's 200 suckers, 200 suckers on their tentacles. They can feel, taste, and smell the surroundings and everything's movable. So um, there's such a strangely built nervous system. Um, So so scientists have always thought for a while that they act autonomously from the central brain. They think their arms are operating separate from their actual brain. Um, So it's it's pretty interesting. Some scientists think they're an alien creature they think of them as a nine-brain creatures, one central brain and eight smaller brains in each arm. So, um, it's interesting, you know. It's a, it's a good snappy fact for sure. People say they're they're capable of otherworldly things. They they can solve puzzles. They can change their shape and color, and they can even edit their own genes. So octop- octopuses are pretty uh, kind of scary, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I I, Joe, I, have you ever eaten octopus at a restaurant or anything?
1: No, sir. As you know, I'm not a seafood dude at all, brah. And I, we would not get a fork near my face with that, any of that stuff on it. Sorry.
0: Yeah. It's just, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting that their, their octopus arms, they kind of operate independently of their central brain. So, um, you know, they could be, uh, I, I'm interested to hear like more studies about octopuses and just see what else they could find out. Cause that's, it's very interesting. The fact that they could potentially have nine brains, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to try to remember the name of the show and whatever it is, because it's actually a cool show. Season one uh, has already gone by. I'm waiting for season two to start, but um, it's it's a really it's a neat show where he lands in a small like Seattle town, and he takes oh, it. On oh, the...
0: I, th- it's on, I think it's on Peacock
1: takes on the body of a local doctor that, you know, um, yeah, I, know,
0: he, I know it's called resident alien, right?
1: Resident alien. Is that, that's yeah. it. That's what it is. Yes. And in that show, he's, he's, through mental telepathy, he's at a fish tank and he's talking to this, to this, uh, to this octopus. And it's really neat. It's, it's just one of those things. And the octopus makes reference to them. You know, I'm speaking to you through my tentacles and so forth. You have mm-hmm. to see it. It can't, Yeah, know, but it, it's one of those things. I just found it interesting. And, uh, you know, as interesting as we can get, you know, snapple yep. fact, what are you going to do?
0: All right. So uh, moving on to uh, on the real, on the real Joe, you going to stop me.
1: <laughs> I don't think so, man. You're a tough customer. You're a tough <laughs> customer, but um, let's just start with uh, California. California doctor cycling on scenic roadway, rammed by Lexus and stabbed to death by driver. California doctor Michael Mamone, 58, was bicycling on a scenic Pacific Coast Highway. When he was struck by a car, the driver, one Van Roy Evan Smith, 39, (laughs) of Long Beach, then got out of the vehicle and attacked him with a knife. After stabbing him at least once, he then pulled out a gun, shooting him multiple times. Killing him before he was disarmed by two passersby. Police say there was no known connection between the two men. <laughs> weird, weird and wild so it stuff.
0: Kind of like, it was like, it was kind of like, it sounds like a road rage.
1: I, you know, one guy was, was on a bicycle. So I don't know. The next story is interesting. Amtrak and Union Pacific Railroad are planning a project. Okay. The project is they are going to build. A railway, they have plans for building a railway in the United States. It's a high speed railway. Uh, the luxury railway models several of its type already in full functionality in European countries. Using magnetic repulsion technology, the state of the art train will reach speeds of up to 200, 285 miles an hour. It is going to run from New York to LA and is projected to be ready to serve the public by 2031 a trip from coast to coast is expected to take approximately nine hours and cost around 800 dollars per person wow and i knew, okay. do know that in europe they had dude they have these these railways that are quiet efficient but they'll just glide through the countryside at like you know 250 275 miles an hour really so anyway that's that. That's that's the second one. Next one is called, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? In a restaurant, right, in a rest area. You know how you get these rest areas on the side of the road, and you go in, and there's a couple of three restaurants, like an Arby's or, a, you know, Roy Rogers or something. When you're hungry and you're out on the road. Okay, so in a restaurant, in a rest area just outside of Lincoln, Nebraska, Jeffrey Skinner, 46, of Denver was enjoying his hamburger and fries when he noticed something very startling. Across the room, in the same dining area, he noticed a man who looked, quote-unquote, like a mirror image of myself, he said. So he noticed the other fellow seemed just as perplexed as he did. Finally, Jeff approached this other man, Mr. Thomas Harkey, of St. Louis, Missouri, and both men were momentarily astonished at the resemblance. After some small talk, they began uh, to ask each other many of the expected questions regarding background information and so forth and so on. Those questions revealed some earth-shaking information. The two men were each adopted shortly after they were born. Neither men knew who their birth parents were. The two men were able to uncover some amazing information from their respective adopted parents. So these guys start asking each other questions and say, wait a minute, you were adopted? I was adopted. You don't know your parents, your your real parents, I don't either. And they, they were able to make a couple of phone calls to the respective you know, adopted parents. Okay. So DNA t- they stayed in touch and they did some DNA tests revealed. They were twins and they were separated at birth. Their biological mother, Allison Lemanowitz, passed away in 2019. But her sister, i.e., their aunt, told the men she always regretted giving them up, but felt it was best, it was in their best interest as she was extremely unfit at that time to provide for them. The, The kicker the hospital where they were born. One quarter mile away from the aforementioned rest stop. Well, Weird wow. and wild stuff. That one gives me goosebumps.
0: All right. So remember, there's two fake and one real in the on the real segment. So let me, you, you give so much detail. It's tough to, because I'm thinking like if he's giving a little bit. Okay. Okay, so the first one, the names seem a little bit crazy. Like the one, what was the one guy's name? Vander? What the hell was that? I'm one not guy's repeating name?
1: anything. You either absorbed it or you didn't. I need an answer. Let's go. No, wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. Um, I uh, sure know. I'll read it back to you that part. Well, don't of read it. the whole
0: thing. Just tell me no, the guy's guy names.
1: I uh, I'm bub, bub, not at anything up, now. I promise. Okay. I, and it I'm says,
0: the level, when the he level was, you want the, the name.
1: When he was struck by a car, the driver. One Van Roy Evan Smith, thirty nine of Long okay. Beach.
0: Okay, Van Roy Evan Smith. Okay, yeah, that's what got me thinking. Van Roy Evan Smith. Van Roy. So but here's the thing: I've heard many stories about a train that they're building out. Like they're building one in California, high speed train. And I think I heard stories about them building one from New York to uh, Cali. So don't. I'm not answering you. Yet. I think that one's the real one. I think the third one I've heard. That's another one. I've heard tons of stories about people. This you know, long lost like siblings and stuff. Um, you got me a little nervous in the beginning because I just read a story about a woman who found a she found a woman, a doppelganger, a woman who people call people doppelgangers if they look just like you. Yeah, she yeah. found her doppelganger and she she sought her out and, and killed her to fake her own death to collect money or something oh, like that. So you got God. me like, thinking on that track. But okay, so the guys in the restaurant, the whole thing with the story, you gave so many details. You gave so many details of the first one too. The second one, uh, I'm going with the second one real. The train one's real.
1: Okay. The train one would be fake. Wow. And the, oh brother, where art thou is fake. And the true story is. Wow, interesting. The true story is California doctor cycling. um cycling on scenic roadway, ran by a Lexus, then the driver of the Lexus stabbed him and then shot him multiple times um before he was disarmed. And um police say there was no connection between the men. Hand of God. Um I, I made up the other two just uh took me a couple yeah. minutes to sit Did and the think train, something. The, up. Train
0: one, the train one's so interesting because I I think like you might not even know this. But there's their work. They've been talking about doing a high speed train for a while, like a bullet train. So yeah. that to me, that, that only read, that registered immediately. I'm like, well, I know that one's like basically true, but I don't know if they're doing it from near. Like, I know they're building one in California. So I was just going through. The, I don't know. You did a good job with uh, the third one and a ton of details. That was fake. The second one was the real one, or no, no, the first one was the real one. The first one was the real one. So, um, <laughs> okay, man, good job. Yeah, you do. You give a lot of details. It's good. Good stuff. Thanks, sir. It's good. Yeah, it's, that's uh, you stumped me, dude. Well, you're not hard. You're
1: you're 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 difficult to to stump. So that's that's something because you're you're on it usually. And I know you got some good. I almost got to get out in front of you, like chess, and think. I wonder what he's going to think here. And there. It's kind yeah, of fun. You,
0: you yeah. heard my thought process, so now I got to start changing it up, or maybe not. <laughs> changing all my thought process here. Yeah, yeah. Um, was, all right, so. Uh, Uh, moving on so the real story was a crazy killer. Now we're going to move on to another crazy killer. Uh, Brian Kohlberger update. I don't have a lot this time, but just little, a little, apparently he was frequenting the Idaho student union building before the murders. And he was staring at a lot of girls and making them uncomfortable. He wasn't breaking eye contact when they made eye contact. He wasn't smiling. He was just staring at them like with a dark, like, you know, really weird. Yeah. We've
1: all seen that stare.
0: Yeah. Um, so some girl named Chelsea said she saw him early in the semester sitting in the cafeteria alone drinking water, and he just stared and wouldn't break eye contact. So that's the Kohlberger update, because that case is not coming until like June or July or something. So it's going to be little things here and there I'll learn about. As far as Alex Murda, um, I talked about this a little bit. He stole money from a housekeeper after her death. He tried to hide it. But then, but then he settled with the family for four point three million dollars. So he did pay their family, but the settlement wasn't like public. It wasn't like a public thing. And he owed a lot of people money, so they're all wondering where he got that four point three million from. Because um, he had, you know, he had collected all the set, all the money from her death, and he, you know, he withheld it from the family. The family had to like sue him to the point <laughs> where they had to settle. Uh, but then the case is going on, and apparently the ballistics expert testified saying that older shell casings from the gun, from the murder weapon um, was found on the property. They were ejected from the same rifle that eject that had the shell casings found around Maggie Murdoch's body, his, uh, his wife. Uh, then they seized nearly 30 guns. They tested the guns. Um, but they said they didn't find Paul, the one of the murdered son, Paul, they didn't find his rifle. Um but his friend said he saw Paul's gun as recently as late March 2021. So that's something to think about. So those are a couple updates from, uh, from the Alex Murdoch case and the Koberger case. Um, as far as current events go, uh, I read an article, a really long article in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, I don't remember. But um, it's called Student Athlete Mogul Question Mark. Uh, college players are allowed to cut sponsorship deals and a lot of them are making a lot of money, but it's at the cost of the school, of other sports. So they use North Carolina in this article. So basically there's something called name, image, and likeness. It's NIL and college athletes are allowed to be paid uh, money directly from, from sponsors, from donors. So basically this started, everyone's been talking about this for years, like when are the athletes going to be paid but Ed O'Bannon is a former power forward from UCLA for basketball, UCLA basketball team. Remember him. Yeah. Uh, he sued the NCAA and EA Sports because he felt he was entitled to income from a video game that included his likeness. So your likeness is something that basically is you, but they're not using your name. It's basically saying everyone knows it was Ed O'Bannon in the video game. So he was like, I'm going to sue these people. I want I want some money for this. Um, he said the NCAA rules prohibited student-athletes' compensation as a, a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. And the district judge agreed, and then this year, um, the NCA on July twenty, July first, two thousand twenty-one Supreme Court decision uh, ended the nearly all restrictions on what athletes could earn, and they can they can now use their name, image, and likeness NIL. Um, and you know some of these athletes are making big money. Like this guy from North Carolina, Armando Bacat, he his annual income is projected to be around four hundred thousand dollars. So this college basketball player is making about four hundred thousand dollars a year, and there's other athletes who are making even more than that. Um, but one of the big problems that's happening is a lot of these big donors they couldn't pay the athletes in the past, so they used to basically just donate money to the school, and then the school would disperse the money. It would be subsidized. It would it would you know subsidize other sports and help them survive. But now these now all the money is directly going to these athletes. They're creating all these like little like investment funds that's going directly to the players. They're paying them directly. And a lot, of, a lot of sports are like figuring out how they're going to survive. A lot of D1 sports are these big schools. They can't pay to support those schools anymore, support those sports. So they might have to go D3. So you might see some UNC sports going like D2 or D3 because they can't afford to be D1 anymore. Um, but it's, you know, just to give you an example, Bakat, his income is nearly double the entire budget of the swim team at North Carolina. So a lot of money is being siphoned away from the athletic department. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that the players are being paid, but it's really a slippery slope. It's like, I'm kind of scared for the other sports. Like, is it going to, like these athletes might be getting paid a lot of money, but at what expense to the other sports, um, you know, 500, just to give you an example, 520,000 students. are currently competing in intercollegiate sports, but only about 519,000 are making oh no, 519,000. They're making nothing at all. So only a thousand are making money. So think about that. So they have all this NAO, but it's basically going to the main sports, like, you know, college football, big money-making sport, SEC, especially, you know, Alabama and uh, Auburn and Clemson play. That's the big money-making conference, but um, only a thousand students in the whole country are really like making um, any sort of money, which is when you think about that, it's a little bit crazy. So college basketball and college football are getting a lot of the money and uh, you know, but uh, one thing that they're doing, they're not allowing, uh, cannab- they're not allowing athletes to uh, advertise and promote cannabis products, alcohol, casinos, and adult entertainment. Um, but you know, all these athletes are driving around in like hundred thousand dollar cars. Um, you know, they're they're living pretty big for college students. But you know, it's it's been a long time in the making. A lot of because it's also a good thing in the sense that some college athletes who are borderline like NBA players, for example, they might not jump to the NBA. And not you know complete their degree. Or they might in the past they've been jumping to the NBA and not completing their degree. Now they're gonna be staying in college because they're gonna be able to make money. So they're gonna be able to kill two birds with one stone. They're gonna be able to get paid plus get their college degree. So there's a lot of good to it. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh it's it's interesting what's how it's gonna evolve. It's yeah. gonna evolve in a very interesting way because um, you know. It's it's a, it's kind of a slippery slope. I'm just wondering what your opinion on this is, Joe.
1: I don't have much of one, other than I could tell you that I don't have a problem with. Athletes being paid a little more in their sport if their sport is a little more popular. Like, a, I mean, a starting fullback for Ohio State football team should make more than the wingman on the the, the rowing team on some, you know. Yeah,
0: but you know. the whole the thing, but what if what if the rowing team doesn't exist in a couple of years because the, the, all the money from the donors that used to go to the athletic department is now being paid directly to the athletes since it's, it's hurting the other sports? Like, that's a little bit, you know, that can be bad.
1: Yeah, I mean there has to be some oversight, no problem. And what I would like to see though is a minimum. I'm like, I don't need to see football players from you know Miami or or, or Ohio State or or, or Notre Dame, wherever it is. I don't need to see them rolling around big bucks. What I need to see is them making a little more than the other guys if their sports a little more popular. But what I would like to see is a minimum so that kids can eat. They could, they don't, you know, I mean, kids, kids can, can eat. They don't have to try to juggle like two part-time jobs and schoolwork because that's brutal. So I'd like to see a, a minimum, uh, for students so that, you know what I mean? I, 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 at that, at that I would l- really like to see. And I also would like to see, uh, um, not a sort of, sort of a cap. I don't want kids to be getting rich now they're in, they're in college. And listen, I just want to see some fairness. I don't, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind a disparity in how much they make based on the popularity of the sport. You understand, but I like to see a limit on the ceiling. I like to see a limit on the floor too. If you know what I mean, other than that, you know,
0: I'm okay. Yeah. And one of the problems is um some of these athletes are jumping from school to school. Like they're being recruited by how much money they're being offered. Like so they might like they might really like their school, but then they hear like, you know, such and such school is gonna pay them double what they're making at their school. So all of a sudden they're just gonna leave. Because there's no for transferring now, at least for college basketball, you still to have to sit out a year when you transfer. There's a little penalty. Now you could just jump from school to school. Now but now that they're being paid, they could just jump to the big who's whatever donors offering them the biggest money. You know what I mean? A lot of recruits are backing out of their recruitments because they're getting bigger offers. But one of the one of the things that could fix this is if there's guidelines like a bonding contract that an athlete could sign with a school. If they sign, if they leave before the end of their their contract and eligibility um, to, to become another school or to become a pro, they should be forced to return a percentage of the money they've been paid. So I kind of agree with that.
1: Yeah, a little reimbursement if I'm not going to use it, or yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. A little a little common sense and a little fairness, um, I think, is good. I think it's good.
0: Yeah, so it's a it's a very interesting topic, and uh, you know, hopefully, college sports thrives and survives. But I can see, like, you know, I can I can see for the next five years, story after story about people complaining and other athletes coming out and saying, like, oh, you know, I went to this school to play D one, now we're D three. I have to transfer. I don't want to transfer, but I have to transfer because they don't have the program. D one. The Program that I want here because they had to get rid of it because there's not enough money for us. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope, but I've always been an advocate of college athletes being paid, but it's a matter of how to, uh, like you said, how to cap some things and how to, how to manage the money better. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You know, because now donors know they don't have to, they don't, all their money was going to the athletic department. Now they know they can, they're creating. I'll give you an example. Villanova has a a, a fund called Nova Friends. And the Nova Friends fund is just rich donors who just compile, you know, a lot of money and that money goes directly to uh various players. But in the past, that money probably was going to the Villanova athletic department by donations from donors and they'd have, you know, they had some incentive. They had buildings named after them. They'd be announced that they donated things like that, and then they would just disperse the money accordingly. But now, that all that money is going directly to the best players. So, like I said, there's only about a thousand athletes who are actually capitalizing on this capital. There's probably more than that, but a thousand probably capitalizing it in like a pretty significant way. Um, so I thought all that right. was. Um, so let's move on to uh, talk about sports now. Let's talk a little bit of sports. Um, Tom Brady just retire for the second time in two years. Do you think he's going to stay retired this time, Joe?
1: I think this is it. I really do think this is it. I do. I I, Look, the guy's done everything he can do. Um, You could almost tell by his demeanor all year long that he's – I got the feeling that he was thinking halfway through, like, oh, man, why did I do this? I made a mistake. I I think he's done – I do not think he's going to make a great – color analyst i just don't you don't I always, gave
0: him, they, I think they gave him like they gave him a huge they gave him like 350 million dollars already it's because, of there, his,
1: yeah, it's because of his name and I, but i don't think you don't always get the, these great players don't always make great analysts and you know um sometimes your best analysts are marginal. you know marginal players um i just think that he doesn't have that charisma he doesn't have that there's a lot of knowledge He's also got a He's a great player, but he's just kind of uh, he's really just kind of um, cardboard, plain vanilla type. You know, Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of that, you know, pizzazz that you need. Uh, Romo, on the other hand, is is, I mean, he's not great. He's a little overrated himself, but at least he's got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something. Um, You have to have that that little bit of spark, that little bit of personality, that little bit, and I think he's bereft of that. If Tom Brady's bereft of anything, I think that's probably well,
0: about the I only thing. Honest. I want to be honest. I think I think Tom Brady's going to surprise a lot of people because this guy is a competitive beast. He is going to focus. He's going to go all in. He's not married anymore. He's going to focus on his uh, his commentating, his announcing, his analyzing the game. And I think he's going to be a. I think he's going to provide a lot of content because he already has a podcast. Him and Jim Gray have their own podcast, um, and like apparently it's a, I I didn't really check it out, but apparently it's a decent podcast. It's been on for at least a year or two years, at least. Um, so he, he's he has some practice from doing the podcast. So he's 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 you know he might be better than you think, Joe.
1: And you know what? That's why I said I think I think this because it just doesn't seem to me like he's got that that whatever it is for for that particular job and i like i said i think it may be wrong I and mean, like you said tom brady's very did you think, very that, competitive. Did, you
0: think troy, did you think troy aikman did though did you think when troy aikman was a player did you envision him being like one of the best commentators of all time
1: no and i don't think he's one of the best commentators of all time he's pretty <laughs> okay. i think he's pretty good but I don't, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think he's one of the best commentators well, of all time. I think in he's terms of, form, good.
0: Not, I'm not talking about like the guys who were trained their whole life to do it, right? You know, like the gym. The guys,
1: nights, right? The players like the made the I'm talking about right.
0: the pl- the players. The players who
1: have a- made the transition. Right. Um.
0: He's been pretty good with Joe Buck. They've been pretty popular. they I mean, they're, they're yeah. on Monday Night Football, so obviously well, a lot of people like him. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, you said, but one of the best of all time. I don't think he's one of the best of all time. Well,
0: but, all time I mean, in terms good. of his. In terms of players, not, yeah. just, you know, not, not comparing them to like. I hear you. Players.
1: I hear you loud and clear. Um I just, I just don't, I just, I don't know. I just think he's a little too vanilla, a little too stiff, a little too dry. I just don't, I just don't. Now, I, I, I that, could be
0: wrong. Trogman or Brady? Brady. Because uh, I was talking about, I thought you're, you were, talking about? I you're giving me reasons why Aikman's not that good or something.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm off Aikman. I'm off. I mean, because Aik Troy's done. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Okay. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. I like right, him. So I like him. I hated I him as a player, Brady. but I like him as an analyst. But go okay. ahead.
0: One thing I respected about Brady's announcement is uh, he even said it. He's like, you know, I already used up my long goodbye, my long written goodbye and heartfelt message. I did that last year. So this year, I basically woke up this morning and I'm pressing record on my phone and I'm recording my retirement. And he kept it simple.
1: The that last I day, liked.
0: Yeah. That, I respect that about him. He didn't do another like, you know, swan song and farewell tour. Brett Favre.
1: Brett Favre did two or three of those. Yeah, Brett Favre did two yeah. or three of those. Like every year he'd come out and oh, go to retire. Now. Look, I'm emotional myself. I don't, I don't knock a guy for being emotional, but he did his emotional goodbye at least twice. You know, it's like Brett. Make up your mind, because either, you know, get it done or not, you know. But I like what Brady did here. He said, you only get one emotional goodbye essay. You know, I used mine up last year, so here's the deal, guys. I'm done. So I like that. That I did yeah. like about him.
0: Absolutely, so. man. All uh, right, so Eagles are obviously in the Super Bowl. That game is next Sunday. we got a week off from football. This is weird. We have our first week off from football since, like, you know, before I preseason. Know.
1: God, it's um, tough.
0: And it's gonna be weird, but I think I think the next two shows before the Super Bowl, uh, we'll really dig deep into the analysis of uh of uh the, the big game. Yeah. Um but just today, what's your how you feel? I'm gonna get a pulse of your thoughts. How you feeling about the big game?
1: The game is look, we're we're going against um and I, I all kidding aside, I mean all kidding aside. I kid around about Patrick, I kid around about Andy. And uh, Andy, uh, Andy's a head coach that that learned a lot when he was here and he matured and he's one of the best the game has to offer. This kid, Patrick, is look, he's got some idiosyncrasies, sometimes they bug me, but he's a good he's a good guy. He's a fantastic quarterback, and these guys are gonna be tough to beat. They really are gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat. I think. Um, I think that we can beat them. Uh, I think we have a better man-to-man all the way down the line. I think we have the best roster in football. What I think we have to do is we really have to run the ball effectively, keep the ball longer, and do all those things. And I think that's the way to go. And I, I just hope our defense can – can hold up they don't run the ball that much um that means okay Mahomes throw the ball but sometimes be careful what you wish for because you might get it look they're gonna be tough to beat it's going to be interesting I don't know how I feel about this thing I do want to say that I respect um the Kansas City Chiefs immensely and it's like geez every time we get in a Super Bowl we got to beat these legendary quarterbacks We did it last time. Maybe we can do it again. I have to look at this thing with a fine-tooth comb, and and over the next week or so, I'll have more accurate analysis. But that's where I am. I'm I'm, I'm just nervous about it, but, you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, you guys are favored by uh, one and a half points as of now. And, uh, you know, the over-under is 50.5 points. So they're expecting kind of a high-scoring game and a close game, which could lead to a, a very good Super Bowl
1: good it could
0: um as far as you know quickly here because you know we're not going to go crazy with sports today but um all-star nba selections were announced and i feel like jalen brunson was snubbed he is one of the <laughs> best point guards in basketball this season and for them to to choose uh drew holiday who's a great player but he's been around for a while I feel like the storyline's better with Brunson. It's his first selection where his holidays made the all-star team before. I felt that like was a snub. Um, I was a little I'm happy that Julius Randle, at least we got one Nick on the roster. Julius Randle made the made the all-star team, which is a good thing. Um, I'm kind of surprised and Bede's not a starter, Joel Embiid. Um, but then you actually look at his competition, it's a little bit tough. He's got Giannis, he's got Tatum, he's got Durant. Um, so those are like more popular players, but um one, one really player that stood out, a couple of players that stood out to me was uh first time selections, I believe, is Jaron Jackson Jr. and Laurie Markinen. Um Markinen's having a uh a, a resurgent, you know, a kind of reviving his career. He's a top ten lottery pick and he didn't really pan out with the Bulls, but he's in the Jazz this year and he's he's playing well. Um he's playing well. And uh, you know, I'm proud of him, I guess, for making the all-star team. And Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, is a guy everyone had loads of potential. But, um, you know, he uh, he finally broke through this year and he made the All-Star team. So that's good. But one thing I, I saw today, um, Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the Nets. Joe, did you hear about this?
1: <laughs> I did. It's just this guy, man. This guy is just too much. I just – you know, I had – the first the thought I had was – nobody's gonna want dude with his history the dude is off his rocker i mean with his history of you know what man i don't feel like playing today man i ain't going down there matter of fact i need about four days off uh but this this, this blase i'm gonna do what i want this kind of thing i thought who in the hell is going to trade but then you know about five minutes later i thought and yeah, I wonder if the Sixers ought to mess around and try to, try to get him. So it's just this kind of a duel, you know. It's just one of these things. You get these guys that just with this talent that's off the chart, but then they're 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 hard to deal with, extremely hard to deal with. Uh, it's just that that dichotomy. It's sometimes it's it's weird. But can you imagine him in a Sixers uniform? Yeah. Would
0: you rather? Well, would he be? You know, he's a talented player, but would you rather have him or Ben Simmons when you think about it? Excuse me. Like, the Sixers had Ben Simmons for a long time, and obviously he's hated there. But would you rather, after having Ben, would oh, you I, rather have, because they're both kind of head cases, would you rather have uh,
1: Kyrie? Or, about, yeah, I'd rather have Kyrie, because Kyrie is by far, you know, but Ben Simmons, if you, the word potential is, parenthesized, potential. With Kyrie, this dude is lights out when he's playing. There's, there's no, there's no. I mean, you know, this dude is, is he's a killer. There's no potential, you know the word potential follows Ben Simmons around. Um, there's nothing that Kyrie can't do. So uh, there's no, not even a, a, there's no hesitation on my part there. If you ask me to choose between those two, because they both have their problems, you know, um, personality wise, but when, when one of them's on, he's all world. And the other one's on, he's well, he's got a lot of potential, you know, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, as far as my bad gambling beat, um, I was watching Villanova Marquette. I got a little excited. I thought we we're going to win the game. I thought the odds were good, uh, so I uh, I made you know a bet on Villanova money line larger than I would like usually to make, but I was I was feeling pretty confident about it. And uh, we lost to Marquette. We blew the lead. Um, didn't finish the game. But we have Justin Moore back. We've been playing. One thing about Villanova, I'll say, um, nobody really knows how good we are. The, a record we're like ten and twelve, right? Everyone thinks we suck. We don't suck because we've we've competed in a lot of the games. Uh, we never really got blown out. We played some pretty good teams this year because the Big East has a couple good ranked teams. So, you know, we get into that Big East tournament. There's a chance we can win the Big East tournament if we get if we if we get hot. And you know, Justin Moore on the floor and Cam Whitmore out there. And uh, one thing I'll say, if Coach Neptune happens to know anybody listening to the show, because I don't think he's listening, but. Be cool if we did, but I doubt it. He's got to focus on the team. Um <laughs> but uh one thing I'll say is uh please, please play Brendan House and Moore. The guy's shooting 45% from three. I know he was a liability on defense, but please play Brendan House and more. Because the other day I scratched my head at some of Coach Neptune's decisions this season. Brendan Howson had twelve points and hadn't missed a shot the whole game. But for the last five minutes, he didn't put him in until the very end when he had to like get threes when they were down by we we're down by a bunch of points. But I digress. I'm off on a tangent, as Joe Thurman would say. (laughs) We had a wonderful show, Joe. Uh, A lot of cool topics. Appreciate you being my co-host, brother. Um, And the floor is yours. And still I rise. Still I rise. Good night. Take care, everyone.